You are listening to Astrology Today, coming to you live from the beautiful Sunshine Coast and Powell River, which is situated on the traditional lands of the Klahoma Nation. I will be your host, Maureen Reed, and I am an astrologer. Welcome, audience. And unfortunately, my co-host, Jill, is under the weather again. Damn! Sending you good vibes and healing energy and all of that good stuff. And uh, before we kick off with, uh, this is episode 72, yep, and lesson number four in So You Want to Read Your Own Chart, Um, Just a comment or two about the energy shift that's happened in the last day or two with Mars moving into Gemini, thereby leaving a nasty square, which it's been doing with Saturn off and on for months and months and months and months. Um, And things should start to look better, especially vis-a-vis the rollout of the vaccine. That's my hope anyway, that uh, um, adaptability and moving forward on that front should get easier. Yeah. Okay. But the focus this week is on lesson four. So lesson one, uh, I introduced you to the signs. Uh, Lesson two was about the houses. Lesson three was putting those two pieces together um, because each individual chart has its own um, uh, series. The, The actual order of the signs always remains the same, but what number one is, in other words, what's associated with the first house, that depends on the time of day that you were born. And so if you were, you know, born at high noon, then your sun and the sun sign would be the 10th house. If you were born as the sun was setting, the sun would probably be in the seventh or the sixth house. If it was midnight, your sun would be on uh, the cusp or between the third house and the fourth house. And if you were born at sunrise, the sun is in the first. Now, the division of those houses and those um, sectors uh, comes in two forms. And my co-host, Jill, she uses a more modern form of house division. And it's a quadrant-based division, which takes into account that the fact that the further north or south you get of the equator then the sun actually never does get directly overhead, even, you know, at the height of summer because of the tilt of the earth and other astronomical (laughs) variations. Um, And back in the day, um, I used to practice that in that same form, although the quadrant system I used was uh, porphyry. And there are a number of um, quadrant-based house divisions. But in coming back to astrology, I struck out in a new vein and went down the road of Hellenistic astrology, which was in use in Egypt and uh, the Middle East area, uh, Greek, um, 2,000 years ago. And they used what is called whole sign houses. They did acknowledge the midheaven, which is the highest point the sun could reach on any given day. And, but it would float. It wouldn't necessarily be the 10th. It could be the 9th, the 8th, 
and in extreme latitudes. It could even get down to the 12th or the 7th. Um, uh, yeah, so in setting up this, so you want to read your own chart, I um, suggested that Jill and I each take a chart and look at it from our respective points of view, because charts can be looked at from a number of different styles of astrology. And so in today's lesson, we now finally get to have the players walk out on the stage, which was defined by whatever the rising sign was, and that would equal the first house, and so on, all the way around the wheel. And so on the day that you were born, the planets obviously were all out there. And of course, I, I'm also saying the word planet for the sun and the moon. Um, and they occupied a particular point on a 365 degree or 360 degree wheel. Um, and the signs are divvied up in 30 degree allotments, um, which are based on the equinoxes and the solstices. Okay. In other podcasts that I've done. I've talked about all of this. And so, you know, they are somewhere on that circle. And so today we're going to take two sample charts, the ones that uh, were up in lesson three, and uh, have a look at where the players are going to be in these people's charts as a way of giving you an example of how this might look. So hopefully by this time you have, obviously, if you know you're rising, you probably have your chart. And um, and so, you know, depending on how you want to process all this, because the chart is about to open up and start yakking at you at a phenomenal rate. <laughs> People often, you know, question, well, what do you, what can you possibly see in that? And, you know, most astrologers would kind of hang their head at that point and go, you know, a chart can babble at you endlessly for days, uh, <coughs> giving you all sorts of information, some of which is present and, and topical, others, which is just something you've lived with your whole life. Um, but there is no end to the information. And again, it depends on how you uh, how you set the stage. From what point of view are you going to look at those characters that are standing on the stage slash your chart? Okay, so let us forge ahead. And she has to get the right mouse doing the right thing. For those who are fortunate enough to... Um, be able to access my web page right now. Um, if you go to today's um, episode, you can pull up the chart that I now have uh, up on the screen for those who are watching on YouTube. For those who are just listening live, I have uh, the chart of the girl who was born uh, January 25th, 2015. So she's quite young, so we really don't know how this is going to pan out yet, but we will have some ideas about what her life is going to shape up to be. And so in this particular chart, she has Capricorn rising, so that means the next um, <clears throat> sign down is Aquarius. That would be the second house. Third house would be Pisces, uh, first or fourth house would be Aries, fifth house is Taurus, sixth house is Gemini, seventh house is Cancer, eighth house is Leo, 
Uh, Virgo is the ninth. Uh, Libra is the tenth. And Scorpio is the eleventh. And finally, we have Sag takes up the twelfth. Okay, so on January the 25th in 2015, she was born at 7.47 a.m. And because she was born in the northern latitudes, the sun hadn't quite risen over the horizon, okay? And so she is a sun sign Aquarian, and that sun we will place in the second house. Now, on that day, uh, both Mercury and Venus would have been considered night stars um, because the sun will rise ahead of them, and yet when it sets, they'll still be twinkling in the sky. So uh, Mercury and the planet Venus are both also in the second house. And that's not uncommon. Um, Mercury can never be more than a sign and a half away from the sun, uh, just because we're viewing it from the position of the Earth. Venus, on the other hand, can get as far away as two signs, but doesn't do that often. And so it's not uncommon for individuals to be born uh, with the um, Mercury and Venus in the same sign. That's quite common. Okay, so next we have, uh, in this girl's chart, we have the third house, which was Pisces, right? And Mars happens to be there, okay? So the planet Mars will occupy the third house. Uh, the moon was in a new phase, like it had been a new moon uh, before she was born, a few days before, probably two, five, maybe eight days before she was born, it would have been a new moon. And so the moon is now in Aries, and it walks on the stage and goes to the fourth house. Then we don't have any planets in the fifth, the sixth, the seventh, but up in the eighth, okay, so remember the the sun hadn't risen, so the sky would have been kind of twilight towards dark. And so if it had been a clear clear morning, right, like before the sun rose, you would have seen Jupiter um, and it would be getting ready to set. And it is in Leo in the eighth house. Then we have nobody occupying the ninth. We have no characters on the 10th. We have nada in the 11th. But in the 12th, we find the final of the Hellenistic planets, which are just the seven visible planets. And it's Saturn. And he would be just rising over the horizon and soon to be blotted out, of course, by the brilliance of the sun. And he's in Sagittarius in the 12th. And so we have the stage is set. Now, in terms of, you know, these actors, who were the actors and how did the ancients see them? Um, and their uh, symbolic meaning has been translated from um, texts that were um, clay tablets, literally. So some of this is direct 
from that time. Most of it, though, was translated into Latin and uh, and then from there translated uh, recently uh, back into English. And so there are some con- there are some of this information is fairly direct, but a lot of it is translation after translation after translation. And so by the um, Renaissance, when um, uh, a traditional form of astrology started to make a resurgence, of course, they were taking some of the information, but a lot of it had been lost. We don't have a continuous transmission as they do in India with their form of astrology. So what's interesting, though, is what has been reclaimed from the Hellenistic period. You can see some of the meanings that have persisted over time. Um, But some of them, obviously, also cultural differences have been dropped. Um, And the other proviso for the way that I'm going to look at this particular chart is this is about fate and fortune. And so it is not so much a character analysis, um, which is the more modern form of astrology. And again, you can walk into a chart and look at it from various angles. This is more to do with um, where are the trouble spots, what's going to be a challenge, what isn't a challenge, um, etc. And um, yeah, so it's, um, how can I put it? Uh, For some, they will go, oh, no, you can't say that that's a bad placement, or that's a, um, you know, a difficult Uh, situation. Everything has to be cast in a positive light. Well, the Hellenistic folks were Stoics, right? (laughs) And so they recognized that not always is life easy. And, um, and so they wanted to know, you know, where, where was it going to be hard? Where was it going to be easy? How fortunate or unfortunate was the native going to be? Um, So that they could come to terms with and deal with it the best they could. And um, in walking back into astrology, I got quite curious about just looking at the chart from this old angle. And, and so that's what you're going to get for this particular example. So who are the players that we've walked on the stage? And uh, the ancients, obviously, the sun was predominant, uh, Helios. It was fire and intelligent light the instrument of perception of the soul, okay? Uh, Kingship, authority, or leadership. It can also point to the mind and its intelligence. It can also point to heights of fortune, okay? So the lights, the sun and the moon, um, they can confer fortune. Depends on um, where they are. And that kind of nuance we're not going to get into today. We're just going to put the players out on the stage. Okay. And the other thing that I need to mention with the Hellenistic version is not all planets become personal to you. Some of them, so for instance, this could be literally someone's boss, okay, the king, the authority. Um, somebody who plays a leadership role in your life might not be you at all, which is a real different 
take from modern astrology, which sees all of the planets on the chart, including the three new guys, um, as being part of the person's personality. Okay. So this could also be about judgments, engagement in public matters. So again, you might, this, the sun in its position might not say you personally, but in your lifetime, you might end up out on a public stage. Okay. So uh, the father, okay, obviously can be a parent. Um, Friendship, notable figures, crowns of offices, and uh, religious slash high priestess type fellows. Okay, so in this girl's chart, hers is in the second house. So it will have major impact in terms of second house matters. And we will add that in a moment. Okay, so the next guy that walks out, and I'm just going to go in sort of kind of traditional order here. So the moon, this was, even in Hellenistic times, personal to the individual. And part of that was just the fact the moon moves so fast, okay? And so um, the ancients saw the moon as the goddess, whereas the sun obviously was God, uh, (coughs) reflecting solar light, okay? So they saw it as not necessarily as strong as the sun, but again, it depended on whether it was above the horizon or below the horizon, and we'll get to that. Okay, it is the body, though, the person's actual physicality. Um, It's their mother as well. It's their ability to um, produce offspring, male or female. It's your countenance is how they put it, which is kind of like your personality. Um, And uh, it's also the place of um, where it's found, whether it points to legal marriages or not, or companionship. It's older siblings uh, and how domestic the person might be. It's the queen, the mistress, and the lady of the house. So obviously 2,000 years ago, women probably didn't have their charts read as much as men did. And so uh, both planets, both the moon and Venus, of course, would point towards wives significantly. Okay, now the next guy is Mercury, and he is the next fastest thing after the moon, obviously. He was called the twinkling one and often went by the name of Hermes. Okay, he represented the office of the herald, you know, the guy that would stand on the street corners instead of Twitter and 24-hour news thing. You had some guy on the street corner yelling out the news, okay? Mercury was about education, writings, disputations, speeches, communication, sending messages, brotherhood, following, interpretation, number, calculation, geometry, commerce, weighing, and testing. So, you know, Mercury as in commerce, okay? Youthful uh, play, uh, service, discoveries, contests, wrestling, feminine oratory, hearing, versatility, critical thinking and intelligence, brothers and younger siblings. So sometimes Mercury wasn't pointing to the individual in terms of where it was in the chart, but to people that had this kind of quality and their impact in a person's life, okay? Markets, the art of banking, theft, 
in good shape. So if mercury is well-placed, it can produce builders and sculptors and doctors and teachers and lawyers and philosophers and architects and musicians and diviners and weavers who are methodical or systematic, actors, those who seek knowledge of pleasure, contentment, desiring recognition uh, for their gain, for their ability to, um, you know, be the life of the party, possibly, she's thinking, maybe not. Okay, it also can point whether there will be irregularities of fortune, distractions from our goals. Malefics here can create a problem. So Mercury is considered neutral in a Hellenistic point of view. And it depends on his position, um, whether he is dignified or not. If he is, then you get the positive either as a person in the form of Mercury, or if it's significant to the individual, um, again, you know, a positive influence rather than a negative influence. Now with the next planet the ancients looked at was Venus, and Venus was considered one of the benefics. In other words, um, again, depending on how well, you know, where on the stage it's placed and whether it likes being where it is and nobody bad is giving it the evil eye, uh, literally, um, then this is one of the places in a person's life where, you know, an astrologer could say either good people or you're a good person if it points to you specifically, um, you know, where there's going to be some fortune happening in the person's life. Okay, so Venus is desire, love, mother and nurses, priesthood, public benefactors, crowns and wreaths, merriment, friendship, companionship, buying and acquiring of new property or goods, positive reconciliations, marriages, refined arts or skills, pleasant sounds, music making, sweet singing, beauty of form, painting, mixing of colors, sewing, perfume, inventors and masters of professions. There's a fondness for cleanliness and playfulness. Grants, offices of market overseer, measure, weights, trades, shops, laughter and rejoicing, remarkable reputation and cooperation. So everybody, you know, when you come to looking at your chart relative to a Hellenistic perspective, you go, oh, I hope my Venus is in good shape. Of course, <laughs> one would hope that. Okay, so the next uh, one in the series is Mars, and this is the first of the malefics. And again, um, you know, in today's modern discourse, there's a real abhorrence for the idea of a bad placed planet. But again, this is not necessarily the individual. This could very well be just somebody that is going to happen in that person's life who brings this kind of stuff into their life. And again, there can be mitigations that make it so it's not such a bad thing. But there could easily be scenarios in which it is the person and they have to rise to the challenge to work with this energy. So uh, Mars, the fiery one, violence, war, and robbery, obviously not easy to deal with. Excessive acts of aggression or arrogance, anger, wrath, the battle or combat, abuse, hatred and vengeance, hard and abrupt and cutting, murder and wounds, torture or torment, uh, those who have much experience of wrongdoing, 
adultery, uh, the taking away of one's possessions, banishment, exile, estrangement from one's parents, captivity, rape, abortions, sexual intercourse and marriage can also be here wherever Mars is. So it might describe the conditions under which a person gets married. It may describe the person they're going to marry. Again, it isn't necessarily the native. It could be just this is where bad stuff could happen. Okay. Um, this is lies and void of hope, separation of friends, could be also working with fire and iron, can also be commanders and military service, warriors, soldiers, or hunters. Okay, so the first of the malefics. Now, the next two planets um, are um, obviously further out, Jupiter and Saturn, and one of them is a benefic and one of them is a malefic. So, Jupiter procreation of children and giving birth. So obviously, if you're a native and you're looking to have children in your life, you're going to want a well-placed Jupiter. Okay, it's also desire and love and unions and alliances. It's knowledge. It's friendship with great men, abundance, large gifts, profits, inheritances, and wealth, justice, authorities, government, honors, or glories mediation or arbitration of trials and disputes, trust or faith, freedom, brotherhood, partnership, adoption also, confirmation of good things, relief from bad things, um, and athletics gets thrown in under Jupiter's. Okay, and the final one is Saturn, Kronos. This was the last visible planet that the ancients could see, and it, it was acknowledged as a limiting factor, because that was as far as the eye could see. Petty, and it is one of the malefics. Okay, petty, malicious, many anxieties, those who bring themselves down, so if it speaks to you as the person, or again, this could be someone in your life that because of their anxiety and depression, uh, they bring themselves down, they could try to pull the native down as well. Solitary, deceitful, those who conceal their deceit. Harsh, austere, downcast, false appearance, sad, black, inopportune, gloomy, sullen, miserable. Uh, he causes depression, laziness, or sluggish inaction can also produce orphans, captivity, abandonment, forced or compulsory action. Um, but it also throws in, yeah, you could be a farmer, <laughs> rules dirt. <laughs> okay, so renters of property, so like landlords, tax collectors, great reputation, notable rank, guardianship, trusteeship of other people's children. So obviously there's there can be a way and it's true with the other malefic Mars. There is a way that this energy can be harnessed and put to good use. Okay. Um, and then there's uh, gender deviance, unmarried, widowed, orphans, and childlessness. Okay. So if children are a big thing in your, you know, want to have happen in your life, you're going to want Saturn somewhere where he's not causing a lot of headaches. Okay, so back to our chart, which is still up on the screen, I hope. 
Yes, it is. Okay, so let's take a look at where this lady has, she's a young lady, she's not that old, that's for sure, um, just where hers have been placed. And just a couple of ideas about how you might want to think about where the actors have walked out onto the stage and where they are, okay? And again, this is from the Hellenistic point of view, okay? And when you're looking at a chart, just briefly, know that the sun in a standard chart would be the circle with the dot. Uh, so in her case, that is in uh, Aquarius and in the second. Uh, the moon is a crescent shape, and it looks like a, a crescent-shaped moon. Uh, hers is in Aries in the fourth. Mercury is a cross with a circle on top and horns. Okay, that's Mercury. He, too, is in Aquarius in the second. Venus is the cross just with a circle, often used sometimes in uh, pointing towards the girl's bathroom, right? <laughs> okay, so this is, um, hers is in Aquarius in the second as well. Then we come to Mars, which is a circle with an arrow and a point on the end of the arrow, right? That's Mars, and he's in uh, Pisces in the third. Then we have Jupiter, which is like, almost like the numeric four, maybe. It's a cross with a half circle uh, on one of the arms and uh, yeah okay for her Jupiter is in Leo in the eighth then we have Saturn which is a cross with a hook like a shepherd's hook um, on the bottom and it is in Sagittarius in the 12th okay so let's look at some samples of where you might begin with um, reading your chart, right? Okay, so the sun, which is obviously, um, you know, in the case from the Hellenistic group, this was kind of the soul, the light of the soul coming through. Hers is in Aquarius, so this is a yang sign, so it's outward, okay? It's fixed, it's in a steady state like winter, okay? so. Um, the light of the soul that shines through is going to be steady and consistent, okay? It's an air sign. And so it's going to be social, relational, could have edges of science in there in terms of, um, you know, sort of a deep mathematical almost connection from the soul, okay? It's in the second house. And so what's going to be important for this soul is resources, material needs, values, and what's valued, personal capital. Now, whether this is pointing to her father, which it could be, or whether it's, um, and how that has shaped what it is she values and wants to possess. And um, at this stage in, in the way we're looking at it, we're not sure who, if it's her or if it's not her. Okay, but it will shape her soul, irregardless of whether it's her or not her. Okay, now Mercury, um, okay, is also here, and um, Mercury is typically neutral um, 
and goes with whichever um, uh, actually this has and I haven't mentioned this yet in terms of reading the chart but in the Hellenistic they looked at whether it was a day chart or a night chart and so Mercury follows the group that is associated with the night chart um, and I haven't like I haven't added that so I'm not going to walk out there yet Okay, so it, this is again, how will Mercury work with a Yang sign? Um, probably okay. Uh, Mercury in its natural house of either Gemini or Virgo. Gemini is also an air sign. Um, and so the, the part which could be a little confusing for the Mercury is this fixed wintry steady state. Okay, um, Mercury is uh, normally happier when it can be its trickster self. Okay, so this could be people in her life or it could be her uh, that are fickle trying to fit into a steady state. So a bit of awkwardness there. Okay, it is the second house. So material needs, um, Mercury can go with that. Okay, um, but again, it's going to want to develop stuff. Mercury is, um, you know, the capacity to learn and educate and, and to develop a skill. And so that would be important. There will be, uh, you know, communication and a lot of talk uh, and people um, that she is with that have that same resource-centered um, thinking. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, education, all of that is going to be focused on building that personal economy. Okay. Now, Venus is also here. Um, this is a benefic. So, all of a sudden, her resources are starting to look pretty happy. Yeah, this is a benefic, and it's Venus. Okay, Venus can be in an air sign. It normal, its normal house is, um, or sign is Libra as well as Taurus. And so it can do the air sign thing. Okay, it's, um, it's steady. It's okay with accumulating things. It's going to want to also build personal capital. And it's going to bring the idea that, um, you know, there's got to be some artistry here. There's um, mom's got to approve of it because it's the mother of the mind. And if she chooses to be a mother herself, then her ability to uh, create uh, personal resources in order to have children is going to be incredibly important. Okay, and it could also speak to the kind of partner she's attracted to, somebody who has that quality and that mindset of mindset, again, it's Aquarius, of uh, wanting to have a sustainable foundation, um, you know, all the material requirements in order to raise children. Okay, so Mars moving out of the second house. Now we're into the third house. Mars was in Pisces. This is one of the malefics. Okay, so could be a source of problems, could be, you know, um, this won't necessarily be her, uh, but people that she may run into. Okay, it's in Pisces. Now, uh, Mars, who in the ancient time was associated, uh, one of his houses was Scorpio places. 
and uh, the other one was Aries. So this is a water sign. So Mars can be here. Mars is okay here. This is the ending of a season. Okay, so this is like when things get, you know, fall apart, dissolve, Pisces. Okay, it's sensitive, emotional, empathic, uh, psychic. So we're looking at possibly boiling and steam and the action of a thunderous waterfall because this is Mars. So this is third house, siblings, extended family, uh, the local neighborhood. And here is where the malefic could raise its head, depending on how well situated it is. Okay, so this could be a place where she has trouble with siblings, uh, where, you know, she runs with the wrong crowd or the wrong crowd runs over her, that kind of thing. Um, or where she might end up, if Mars becomes something personal for her, um, she may become a policeman, right? Mars, third house, community. Okay, so the next one is um, actually has a planet in it as well. This is the fourth house, and it's the moon. Now, the moon in a Hellenistic way of looking at things is personal to the person, and it represents their body and to some degree how they uh, operate in the world. So this is a yang sign, it's Aries, it's outward expression, okay, so she's not going to be a wallflower. Uh, it's fire, direct, dramatic, daredevil, willful, enthusiastic, it's cardinal, so it's going to want to start stuff. But it is rooted in um, her family history, in, um, you know, the expectations and the karma possibly of, you know, the family that she's growing up in. It means that her mother could very easily be fierce um, and uh, competitive. It could be, you know, that uh, she sees uh, quite a competitive nature in her family atmosphere between her parents. Um, domestic is hot, okay, and uh, she may want to be the queen at home, okay. Now we move all the way up to above the horizon for uh, the next benefic, and this is Jupiter in the eighth. And the eighth house is considered uh, a difficult house in Hellenistic terms. So putting a benefic here is, yeah, that is helpful. <laughs> um, and it's, um, this is again another yang, outward going, it's fixed and steady, so how she handles death, taxes, and shared resources, um, there's going to be a steadiness to it. Uh, this is also the place of inheritances, and so that bodes well. Okay, um, it brings a sense of bold, dramatic, and enthusiastic nature to those difficult topics, um, yeah. And but it's yeah, it's a good fortune place. Um, so it's turning that negative eighth house and adding something possibly positive to it, which is a good thing. Okay, and then the last guy to step out on the stage is Saturn, and Saturn is in Sag in the 12th. Now, um, 
in the lessons that are coming out, I will be talking about uh, planetary joys. So in terms of the stage and where all these guys have walked out on, there are places on the stage where planets are particularly happy. In other words, they like the, um, the topics, the place, uh, and um, that can help to mitigate, uh, especially with the malefics. And it just happens to be that Saturn actually likes the 12th house. Now, his normal rulerships are earth and air. And so this is a fire sign. So that part is um, not necessarily going to work as well uh, with Saturn. Okay, it is outward going. It's mutable, though. And uh, Saturn is a little easier with cardinal and fixed. Uh, and so it could, this could be, you know, a bit of a challenge. Um, so this is the house of uh, bad spirits, self-undoing, imprisonment, retreat, and hidden enemies. And of course, Saturn is about anxieties and those that bring themselves down. It's deceit. Uh, and so hidden enemies could be quite tricky for her. Um, and it's uh, gloomy and sullen and lazy. Um, but it also is the place of tax collectors and renters of property. It's also farmers because it <laughs> rules dirt, remember? <laughs> okay. And it's... Um, unmarried, widowed, orphans, and childlessness. So that part, we're going to hope that its position here is not uh, going to impact any of those type of things. But again, we won't, uh, we're not going to quite get there today. And so, you know, when you first put the planets out on the stage, you want to kind of play with, if you're going to use the Hellenistic model, bearing in mind that not all the planets, okay, are the person yourself. They could be just people in your life. And depending on how old you are, because we're looking at charts of very young people who have yet to go through their life, um, you may already begin to recognize some of the characters um, and that, yeah, no, that particular planet really isn't pointing at me, but it is pointing at that person in my life or that situation. And again, in the Hellenistic way of looking at it, these planets don't operate day to day. Some of them do, but most of them don't. Most of them, there are specific times in your life where they'll step out and go, I'm here and I'm impacting. And then otherwise, they're quiet and in the background. That is not the case with the modern way of looking at charts. Okay, so I'm seeing that I don't have a lot of time here because, and really, uh, to be fair, I was hoping Jill would do her piece, so, but I am going to do a little bit of it. So I am going to see if I can, oh, yep, I can scroll down. Okay, so I did do some graphics of, and maybe that's all I'm going to have time for. So the sun in... Hellenistic, it was one of the lights, it's the king, the seeing the soul, um, and, you know, sort of the light of awareness, and leaders, and so I've got, you know, a king, an eyeball, a ship that's leading some other ships, and uh, a light bulb coming out of a box, the moon, okay, a series of happy and sad and 
other faces, the body, um, an image of the queen and of domesticity, right? The moon. Okay, Mercury, you know, and it's kind of amazing. The Hellenistic basically looked at it as to probably, you know, what this person was going to end up uh, doing in their life um, or what they would be surrounded with, what types of occupations and stuff. Okay, so it's young people, it's actors, it's giving speeches, it's uh, politics, uh, science, calculation, it's uh, versatility, um, it's hearing, it's being distracted, um, and it's education, all of those things. Uh, okay, so Saturn, um, you know, one of the malefics. Okay, so, um, and then Mars, the other malefic, the fiery one. Okay, Saturn was called the shining one, which I kind of think maybe it's just the way it looks out there in the sky. And so it's, you know, Saturn is closed off, it's solitary, it's prison, it's depression, uh, you know, whereas Mars is anger and violence and war um, and theft and all of that kind of not good stuff. <laughs> but, you know, obviously people have to work with this stuff because life isn't always a bowl of, of um, or smelling sweet flowers, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so the benefics. Uh, Venus, I've got some images here, you know, motherhood and uh, beautiful craftsmanship and, um, you know, a symphony and a happy day and love and buying and, you know, the radiant one for Jupiter, which is being sa saved and justice and friendship um, and financial growth uh, and children, all those kind of good things. Okay, so here is my last graphic that I have up is of the chart that um, Jill will be looking at for us. And what, so what I'll do is I'll just briefly go over the difference of the planets in the modern context. Okay, so in the modern context, all of the planets are you, okay? And, um, and so it goes like so. So the sun, how one is, okay, the tone of being, how one perceives life. The moon, how one reacts based on subconscious predispositions. Mercury, how one thinks and communicates. Venus, how one expresses affection, feels appreciation, and gives of self. Mars, how one asserts self and expresses desire. Collective factors, you in your community. Okay, Jupiter, one seeks to grow and to experience trust in life. Saturn, how one seeks to establish and preserve self through effort. Okay. And then the transpersonal, that's how modern astrologers look at the new guys on the block. That's Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. And so Uranus, um, it's your ability to handle shock and change. Um, and it's also your unique personal truth, being able to bring that forward. Neptune, spiritual connectivity. Um, and Pluto, deep carthotic healing. And the analogy that I used to use when I practiced modern astrology was caterpillar, cocoon. And trust me, the experience in the cocoon, 
getting melted down, you were a caterpillar, was probably not fun. <laughs> that would be my sense. Okay, and then out of that sludge comes a beautiful uh, butterfly. Okay. And so to remember that, you know, if you're going to approach your chart from this perspective, it is all about you. Okay, so I still have a few minutes. I am not going to go that f far into this just because this is going to be Jill's dig. Okay, so um, the folks that walked out on the stage, the moon, Jupiter, and Pluto, uh, walked into the second house of Scorpio, but those three planets are actually in Sag. So with the modern system, there's going to be a blend between Scorpio and Sag, Scorpio being on what's called the cusp of the second house. Um, and so one might say, oh, let's see, what did I put here? Okay, so again, it's still a Yang fixed water. That's the cusp of the second house. Um, and but these are planets are all in Sag. So, um, you know, this is uh, the house cusp itself is saying strong, stubborn, attached personally towards possessions. They're mine. This is a fixed sign in it, Scorpio. But the moon has the instincts and it's critic and it, you know, it too is thinking it's critical for its survival. So, you know, this, this little guy is going to be, yeah, like uh, all these toys are mine, um, but it's flexible, right? This is a Sag circuit. And so it's going to bring in, you know, and so one day it wants this stuff. And then with the Sag, it's versatile and it might want something else. That's one way to put it. Um, but in terms of uh, what it feels safe and secure, stuff is going to be part of that because that's the moon. Okay, so um, the next one is Jupiter. So this is, and again, in modern times, we don't have benefic or malefic at all. And so Jupiter here is, as is, uh, you know, this is bringing in um, the social sphere into um, possessions and to building up personal security. And so Jupiter in Sag is, he's probably going to be, you know, connected to the world, uh, which in today's modern times is quite easy to do. But we've also got Pluto here. And uh, Pluto is in modern times, the natural ruler of the Scorpio cusp. And so feast or famine, that might be one way of looking at it. Uh, because Pluto will periodically transform uh, him in terms of what he values and what his possessions are. Okay, moving on, the next planet took up residence in Capricorn, but the house cusp is Sag. And so um, this Mars could be quite hidden. Um, his assertiveness, his aggression, um, we might not see it because on the surface we've got Sag, which is optimistic and friendly and benevolent, and but you know occasionally if he's not in control, this is yeah I'm kind of going out on a limb here. <laughs> yeah, that Mars might come out. He might get uh, a little testy and willful. Okay, so moving on. Um, 
he's an Aquarian, obviously, um, and uh, he has Neptune here as well as the Sun. So this is fourth house. So fourth house is would need to have a component of spirituality to it, um, and uh, yeah, he's going to exhibit uh, sort of classic. Aquarian point of view that he comes from naturally out of his household, out of his roots and his family heritage. And so home is going to be incredibly important as well. And that kind of fits with uh, the moon being in the second. Uh, You know, if this guy chooses to marry and have a family, he's going to be well established in order to do that. Okay, coming to the fifth house of children and playfulness, he's got Mercury, Venus, and Uranus in Pisces. <laughs> now, um, so this is um, a playful nature that is border uh, bordering on spiritual, which is interesting because Neptune and the sun are together in the fourth. And so, you know, this could be strong religion or it could be strong spiritual, but a playfulness towards it. And definitely when it comes to children, he's going to want to, um, you know, raise them in that atmosphere. Uh, Uranus there is saying, though, periodically things are not going to be what he's expecting, okay, Um, because Uranus is a shakeup. And uh, it might be him that shakes it up, or it might be his children that shake it up. Um, Communication is going to be from a feeling point of view, what he values, going back to where that moon is, uh, has an emotional connection to it. This is Pisces. Uh, Venus here, um, who he's attracted to, what he values, will have to have that empathic, spiritual connection to it okay so that leaves even out of 10 only one guy above the horizon and uh you know so on that side of the stage there's only one planet and it is saturn and again uh modern times saturn is not seen as a malefic uh it's seen as the maturing piece the piece that um Uh, probably operates well I know when I used to uh, do this style of astrology I didn't uh, I didn't really see Saturn fully coming into uh, usefulness for a person uh, because it takes a while to become mature and but you want to see that maturity by the time Saturn has made an entire lap around the chart which is around 27 to 30 in terms of age So here we have Saturn in Leo in the 10th. So when he's mature, he's going to be standing out on a stage and it can be quite prominent. Um, If he's not mature, it will be prominently showing. (laughs) And so, um, yeah, so this is where being mature is going to be required. And unfortunately, we will, you know, in his lifetime, you will see how well he's doing with this because it is the 10th house. It is out there, out on a stage. Okay, so um, that is the start. You've got people out on, you've got aspects, whether they're people, Hellenistic, and some of them being you, Um, Or, you know, if you're looking at the chart from the point of view of modern astrology, all of your personality, this is where it is, this is where it will develop. 
And uh, hopefully next week, Jill will be back to um, give you her take on this particular chart because, of course, it will be different than mine um, because I no longer really, well, I do. I blend the two. But uh, it's true that I, um, I now lean more towards the Hellenistic point of view and uh, recognizing that uh, it is very good at describing people that will impact your life and in what way they impact your life and when they will impact your life. Okay, but I think that kind of wraps it up for today. So hopefully we'll have Jill back next week. And remember that between now and next week, we'll be setting up for that amazing new moon on the 13th. Um, And that is actually when I'm back. I think the 13th is next Saturday. Um, And so it's a huge incoming spiritual moment, which I am hoping that uh, most of the audience is going to be able to positively um, take advantage of. But in the meantime, just a reminder that you have been listening to um, Astrology Today coming to you live from CJMP 90.1 FM, Powell Rivers Community Radio Station. And have a great week. Stay safe.